Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 87, Dr. Ruth. Well? Uh, well, 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 what? What do you think? <clears throat> uh, could you uh, rep- repeat the question? Is the size of a man's feet related to the size of his love muscle? Oh boy. We'll be right back with Dr. Ruth Westheimer after these important messages. Are you all right, Ruth? Huh? I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Kinky. Have you been here, Al? Listening in? Yeah, I've heard a little of it. I gotta get out of here fast. Why? This sounds like a great leap to me. You just sit here and you talk about sex. No. Sam, look at it. As a learning experience. It may sound like fun to you, but it's not for me. They're asking some very embarrassing questions. Sam, sex is not dirty. It's a very natural thing. Being frank about it and educating your children to be morally responsible and safe is better than sweeping it under the rug. That's a pretty mature attitude coming from somebody like you. No, it's not coming from me. That's coming from the real Dr. Ruth in the waiting room. But you remember it until Ziggy can figure out why you're here. Oh, no, Al, you can't leave. You're an expert on this stuff. You gotta help me answer these questions. You're doing fine. I'm not doing fine. You gotta stay here, help me answer these questions. Oh, hey, you know the question about the shoe size? Yeah. Just call me Bigfoot. We're coming back. Welcome back to Dr. Ruth's Frank Talk About Sex. Our next caller is Annie from Manhattan. Go ahead, Annie, you're on the air. Hi, Annie. Hi. Mm. Um, I'm calling because I have a problem with my boss. What kind of a problem? Well, at first he was really nice. See, I'm new in town, so he took me out for a drink after work as kind of a welcome to New York City, but then he started coming on to me. He wanted to have sex with me. What did you do? Well, I said no. I keep saying no, but he won't leave me alone. I think I know why I'm here. I want you to ask Ziggy what the odds are that I'm here to help her. Forget Annie, Sam, uh, because Ziggy says there's a 72% chance that you're here to play matchmaker. to whom? Doug and Debbie. Doug and Debbie who? Doug and... Doug, Doug and Schaefer, your producer, and Doug Bridges, your announcer. They're on one week, they're no. off one week, but Ziggy says no. they should be Al. together. Al. they hate each other. Uh, well, every couple has a spat now and then. Jerk. Motor mouth. Pig. All right, okay, Al, I found out her name. It's Annie Wilkins. And she's in big trouble. 
We don't know about that. No, no the data on Annie Wilkins is very sketchy. Yeah, but, but I gotta help her because she's in trouble. No, you're the one that's in trouble. Uh, the odds on Doug and Debbie getting back together just slipped 12%. Ziggy says you're here to help Doug and Debbie. Unless you do something about that, you're gonna stay stuck in 1985, wearing your silly high heels and your stupid dresses and talking to strangers about G-spots. I'm scared. He's gonna do something terrible. He said he was gonna teach me a lesson for talking to you. Okay, listen. Hang up the phone and call the police. Do you hear me? Annie, do you hear me? Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Alison Prigler. Oh, that was unfair. I'm Matt Dale, and I can't do that accent. <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> I tried in advance just, just to, to prepare to be able to do it here, and it was so bad that I... I decided not to and yeah yours yours was a lot better than my previous attempts i don't know will it be any better than scott's i don't feel like it was very <laughs> good there either they can't seem to make things work out because they don't know how to communicate i don't know who's doing the talking here you or dr root i don't either <laughs> <laughs> well if you haven't figured it out already, I'm going to cue the sexy time saxophone music because today we're talking about Dr. Ruth, the season five episode that I believe might be now the lead contender in dumbest gimmick of season five. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be usurped next episode. You know it. I know, mm -hmm. but so far, so far it wears that crown in my mind. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about this. I can't wait to talk about it either, because specifically, if you all remember last time on the Quantum Leap podcast, Allison dropped the bomb that we have finally gotten to her least favorite episode. Allison, <laughs> do you believe that Dr. Ruth is the worst episode of Quantum Leap? Yeah, pretty much. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not my least favorite to watch because it's kind of so terrible I can make fun of it. But look, this is total embarrassment. This is an embarrassment of an episode to me, and, like, I just, uh, there's so little about it I find genuinely good. I, I think it's, like, I'm kind of just embarrassed for everyone involved. It's got major Diaper Monkey energy, to be honest. <laughs> well, I think Diaper Monkey's a good episode, so you're gonna have to explain that analogy. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Well, it says more about you than me if you think Diaper Monkey's a good episode. <laughs> It was one of our best episodes, I'll tell you that. So maybe that's what's coloring my perception. I enjoyed Diaper Monkey. Like you, not so much Dr. Ruth, but uh, I didn't want to classify this episode for you when I said it was your least favorite. I mean, I guess there could be a distinction between least favorite and worst. So would you categorize Dr. Ruth as both? I mean, to me, it's the, it's the worst episode. There's a lot about it that I just really dislike, and I, the whole energy of it feels very hollow to me, it, it doesn't feel like it has that sincerity that uh, Quantum Leap usually has. Um, but there are episodes like I find more boring that I like watching less. Like Heart of a Champion, I probably care about less than, <laughs> than this. But uh, ostensibly, I would say that this is the worst episode and my least favorite because like, um, it's just, it, like I said, it's embarrassing to me. Like I wouldn't want to show this to someone without prefacing it by saying like this is terrible <laughs> we're here to make fun of this we're not here to enjoy a good episode of quantum leaps that's not what this is right right just the welcome to the other end of the spectrum so mm -hmm. how about you matt what are your initial impressions i really like it of course you do <laughs> 
You've become the Albie of this podcast. I love it. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I usually agree with Alison on a lot of stuff, but no, I don't. What's your problem? This is a really, f- <laughs> this is a fun episode. All right. it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really enjoyable. It's got some, yeah, there's some problems. What, what episode of Quantum Leap doesn't have problems? But um, yeah, it's it's got a bit of everything. It's got some action, some drama, some romance, um, some good 80s stuff going on, which captures my nostalgic spirit. I think this is one of the better episodes of season five. <laughs> Shut up! Wow. <laughs> That's all I can say. Just sh- <laughs> oh. Stop it! I, and it's it's got a, a lovely star turn from Doctor Ruth. I mean, it's a it's a way out idea for for stunt casting. It's it's it is it is a crazy gimmick, but I like them crazy gimmicks. <laughs> well, I I think I have to team up with Allison on this one, Matt. I'm sorry <laughs> to do that to you, but it's like she was reading my notes because under initial impressions it says, let's see. Initial impression, embarrassment, dash, don't know if it's by or for the episode. Clunker sex jokes. (laughs) My exact notes, but yeah, it's funny because I don't know, maybe it's from having grown up um, watching stuff that other people didn't like, like sci-fi stuff, whatever. And Frequently, I watched all of my shows alone and... Hmm. um, if somebody was in the room with me, I would be a little embarrassed, like, because, like, uncomfortable. Are they looking at this and judging this and judging me? And it was just, like, a whole weird head trip I would put myself on. But since I've gotten married, I'll put stuff on. Laura's in the room. She doesn't mind. She doesn't judge. She even gets to like some of my stuff. She has seen all of Quantum Leap. She knows my abiding and deep love for Quantum Leap. She is a Quantum Leap fan. And this episode came on, and she was sitting in the family room, and I was thinking, please just get up and leave. I'm embarrassed to be watching this with you. (laughs) (laughs) It was just so... I got Dr. Ruth cleared the room. I just really wanted her to go because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed by the episode. I was embarrassed for the show. I was embarrassed <laughs> to be watching it. I was embarrassed to think like I'm taking notes about this stupid episode so I can talk about it at length on a podcast. This is just <laughs> the most embarrassed I've ever been being a Quantum Leap fan. It was the weirdest, weirdest. Chris, thing. Chris, that's it. You, that's that's now a challenge. Sharon has hardly seen any Quantum Leap, and I'm going to show her this. And I'm going to find oh, out what she thinks. Why would you do that? And I will, I will bring this back to a future recording. I will tell you what Sharon thinks of Dr. Ruth. Well, uh, <laughs> apologies for your impending divorce. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Laura and I have been together for like 30 years. We got that going. Uh, I don't know if this is going to break us. You guys, you know, Zach, you have the kid. So that'll keep you together. Despite Dr. Ruth. <laughs> you, you have the leverage to keep the marriage going, man. <laughs> Dr. Ruth is a strong force to contend with. But you might be really able to is. make it work. You want to talk about evil leaps. <laughs> the evil leapers leapt into Donald Belisario and he's like, yeah, do the Dr. Ruth episode. <laughs> Fuck yeah, what a great idea. Make it happen. Wow, great. Why are you being so mean? I don't... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what it is? This episode feels like it's a- antithetical to what the message they're saying they're trying to, to do is. So the whole point, I mean, Dr. Ruth is a famous sex therapist, um, and so, or a talk show host or whatever. Like she talks about sex. Frank talk about sex. That's what they talk about this entire episode. And yet it's like a two year old's understanding of sex. They like, I've seen, better handled sex talk on other episodes of Quantum Leap. They they keep talking in these, like, crusty acting euphemisms, like these <laughs> terrible voiceovers with people, like, talking about love muscles and stuff. And, like, it, it feels like they're like, tee, we're talking about sex, tee. And, like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> look, I don't like things when they're, like, overly sexy either. Perhaps I should get more comfortable with this type of thing. Except, like, in this episode, I feel embarrassed for them. I'm like, just do it, guy. <laughs> Twittering around it like a bunch of kids. <laughs> but it isn't, isn't that just some of that, just the limitation of primetime TV? Like, they, they couldn't, and this is you maybe a, an, an argument. less they, embarrassingly than this. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think they either had to not tackle this at all, and I, I'm getting you guys would say that. That's the preferable option. Or do it with, yes, a few twee euphemisms, which, yeah, I I did say this isn't a perfect episode. There's problems with it, and that's one of the key ones. Well, okay. Um, I mean, I know for a fact, because I've read an earlier draft of the script, and you have too, Matt, that there definitely was a lot of discussion about what they can say what mm-hmm. the wording's going to be, how often they can reference this stuff, because the script was raunchier, even though it wasn't that raunchy by today's standards, even. It feels like they did have a lot of limitations because this was the sex episode. But I, I feel like owls use less embarrassing euphemisms in other episodes. I feel like they've talked about sex in TV safe ways in less embarrassing ways. I, I, maybe because they decided it was funnier to do it that way. That's what I think. Yeah, it just comes off like, um, this episode feels the most dated to me, even though it was <laughs> one of their most modern episodes. It felt like a little too modern even, but it took all of the mm. tropes of like early 90s television that it, it just made it seem dated and not that nuanced. Uh, even the music. I, I love a good saxophone, but in this episode, like, it just didn't feel like it should be in Quantum Leap. Well, I mean, but it's sexy times, Alice. <laughs> what else are you going to play during sexy times? This is Quantum Leap After Dark. I really like the music. I thought that the music was perfectly in keeping with the tone they were going for. Cheesy. But it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> the, the music is always... It, it all... The, they change the music. Well, you know this. They change the musical style every week to match the tone, and I think they they sure. got the tone right there. Sure, they. I don't think it was like. I think it fit exactly what they were doing, but I think the whole thing made it seem dated, especially the fact that Doctor Ruth was like around the age she was supposed to be in the episode playing herself. There was like none of that nostalgia feeling there or anything. It just felt like they were doing a bad episode of any show from around 1993. And I got to think that it was probably okay at this point, especially after nine o'clock when Quantum Leap aired, or maybe it's 10 o'clock at Safe Harbor. I'm not really sure. But either way, at this point, I think it was okay to say penis at least once on a network (laughs) TV show. And why not just say is the size of a man's feet related to the size of his penis? Because love muscle is cruder and more low-hanging guffaw. Yeah. 
I think that's what they were going for here, Allison. I think you're absolutely right. Where they could find a cheap, dumb sex joke, they said, yeah, let's put it in. And it was to the episode's detriment. And I guess Love Muscle is ostensibly funnier than Penis. But it's just it just leaves a bad taste. I'm not going to say it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you all understand what I mean. Well, let's yeah. check in with Matt. Did you laugh at Love Muscle? Yeah, n- not not especially. Like I say, I I do I do find the the those twee euphemisms um, a little embarrassing. But I I kind of yeah I just wrote it off as being in universe. Some stuff they could get away with, some stuff they can't. I, I know, I know what you guys are both saying that, yeah, maybe it was more actually what they were aiming for when they were writing it rather than what the studios were pressuring them with. But either way, it's just one of those things. And it, it's, it's, it's a problem with this episode. I'm not going to try and claim this is a perfect episode. I just think I like it a lot more than you guys do. But, um, I'm not going to argue that the love muscle reference isn't a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I did laugh at? It was something I did think was funny was uh, Al just saying all of the euphemisms for breasts. Yeah. Because he can't say the word. A melons. Hoo-has. Honkers. Hooters. Headlights. Tatas. Teeters. Tweeters. Tom-toms. Teetons. Uh, meatballs. Uh, mangoes. Cream pies. Cupcakes. Bangers. Bouncers. Uh, Balumbas. Uh, bazongas. That was funny to me. Yeah. But that's more in keeping with Al's character, too. So... He's always using euphemisms, and that's the one part of the episode where it was so screamingly over the top, but it didn't stand out to me because it's just a natural thing, I think, that Al would say. Yeah. Yeah, weird. Just weird. And I know that we had joked that the evil leapers leapt into Dawn and uh, said, make this a go, but Matt, do you have your book handy? I'm just curious to know the genesis of this idea do we have any sort of um, insight into what made them decide to pull (laughs) dr ruth out of the ether and feature her on an episode of quantum leap not from any of the uh interviews that um i consulted uh or that i that i've ever heard All, all i know from interviews is that Scott really enjoyed working with Dr. Ruth uh, and was disappointed that he didn't get to work with her more because it was just for the mirror shots. And uh, Dr. Ruth loved the costumes that she got put in. And that's 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 all the cast and crew have told us about this one. I mean, I, uh, I think Dr. Ruth seems like a lovely person. I don't have anything against her personally. I think she's had an amazing life. Because yeah. if you look up anything about her, um, you know, her parents were lost in the Holocaust. Uh, she educated herself at an orphanage. Um, she was a trained sniper. Like, she had all of these things that she did in her life, including an episode of Quantum Leap. And if someone said, do you want to do a Quantum Leap as yourself, you jump at that chance. <laughs> I guess. She's the real-life Al Calavici, if you think about it. She's done everything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just think, like, um, the feel of the episode, which has nothing to do with her, I think she did fine. She's clearly not an actress, but, you know, I think she did fine with what she was given. Um, I feel like there's this starstruck nature of the episode that I don't like, and that's with a lot of these kind of celebrity gimmick leaps, that it, it just feels like they're just so enamored with the fact that they have them, they're kind of losing track of the core of the show to me. Hmm. It's funny because I think that Dr. Ruth, while you say she's no actress, I mean, she was Dr. Ruth on this episode and her scenes with Al 
in the waiting room were the best scenes in yeah. the entire episode. I wouldn't say they redeemed it, but it was one of the few times in watching the episode that I actually felt a little bit engaged. And I think it's because she is a very likable personality. Yeah. And um, she's like an instant comfort factor when you see her, hmm. even though she's talking about sex. Um, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm a Dr. Ruth fan. I don't really know much of her work, but she was ubiquitous in the 80s hmm. and uh, I guess in the early 90s still, and everybody still knows who she is. So there is that familiarity factor. That may be a reason why they got her in because she crosses all demographics. Well, there was this big push in season five as well for celebrity leaps, recognizable hmm. people, uh, which is why you would get things like Lee Harvey Oswald and Elvis and Marilyn Monroe and stuff like that. So I, I believe that it's likely Dr. Ruth stemmed from that. I don't know if they had her specifically in mind or they're like, let's do a celebrity. Who can we get? Or maybe they were like, it would be really funny if Sam just had to talk about sex through a leap because he is a character who is very uncomfortable talking about that subject. Yeah, why is that though? That that's one of my bigger problems with this episode. He's like he's got a medical degree and he can't talk about ejaculation. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> he, he suddenly becomes this little schoolboy like, and he's like yeah, I don't want to say pee pee. <laughs> <laughs> You said you have you have a sore where? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> he's a doctor. Oh, think of it this way, though. I mean, he's a doctor in a clinical setting, and who knows if he even ever practiced medicine? He's a doctor technically, but who knows? He's got like seven degrees, so he might have the medical knowledge. He seemed pretty experienced whenever he has to use his medical knowledge to help people, like black and white on fire. To get a medical degree, you don't have you to have go to... through rotations and you yeah, have to go that's... through internships and you have yeah. to, you know, it's so it, it's basically like you have to have practical application to get yes. the degree. So he was a resident at some point, sure, and that's probably where he got all, all his experience. But I don't see Sam as hanging out a shingle and working as a doctor. I see him as just sure. one of the things that he did. In his quest to, you know, build his time machine, or maybe it was the first path he took and realized, hey, maybe I want to get into this physics stuff instead. I don't know. I mean, we can retcon that any way you like, but him being but in a room with a patient one to one. He's huh? seen penises in his time, surely, in order exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah, he <laughs> was, okay. Here's, there's a simple answer to this question. He was Doogie Hauser. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He, I mean, he had to have gotten his medical degree when he was a kid, like Doogie Hauser, right? Hmm. So he didn't have the experience to back him up. So while he was like, you know, getting his residency in and helping people out and, you know, you got like, it's just, it's, it's a body, right? You don't, you think of patients in a sexual way if you're a good doctor, yeah. you know? <laughs> so he, he, he didn't have any of that experience in that department. Because he was like, he was learning how to drive or whatever Dookie Hauser was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only contradiction we have to that is Lisa and No-Nose. But uh, they never called him Dr. Sam when he was in the corn. They just called him Sam. <laughs> um, I don't know. He probably lost his virginity after becoming a doctor. That's my, th my head canon. <laughs> he became a doctor first and then he did the sex. <laughs> Now you sound like the episode, did you do the sex? <laughs> he, did, he, did, he did the horizontal monster mash. <laughs> he sh was shucking the corn. No, I think that's masturbation, right? <laughs> shucking the corn. 
Are you introducing us to more country things now, Alison? <laughs> wow. I've never heard anyone in, around me use the term shucking the corn. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard anybody use that term in the context that you just did. So. Neither had I. <laughs> now I'll never be able to unhear it. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, so do we care about Doug and Debbie, really? No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean... I think they're the reason that I hate this episode, to be honest. It's not even the Dr. Ruth stuff. I could get over that if it wasn't dominated by Doug and Debbie. Like, I do not care about these two and their relationship problems. It feels very, like, one-dimensional, and it, it's just not very interesting. And I don't think their characters were as developed as supporting characters usually are on this show. It was a funny B-plot. That was all it was. Really? Because that seemed like the A-plot to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could not think of two more vapid people for Sam to have to help. And then it's like when you hear about what they're arguing about, oh, well, you moved in and then you wore flannels to bed. Well, what is she supposed to wear? Victoria's Secret to bed every single night, jerk? I mean, <laughs> women need to be comfortable to go to sleep, too. I, it, it's, it's such a dumb TV argument. It's like she was there for three days, she wore flannels one night, and then the spark went out. Yeah, it feels like a sitcom argument or something. Like It is a sitcom argument, yeah. Yeah, um, and I don't really understand this whole leap situation either, because, like, so Sam leaps in to help Doug and Debbie, that's the main thing, and then the stuff with Annie happens. So he's he's there to help them, but the only times he seems to help them is when he starts merging with Dr. Ruth. The only reason he went out with Brenda was because you dumped him. I didn't dump him. Douglas, tell her how you feel about her. Right now, time for the truth. So why did he even leap into Dr. Ruth if it's Dr. Ruth that's helping them anyway? It's <laughs> a good question. Matt? Well, Dr. Ruth would have been busy, focused on other stuff. So just because she had the skills doesn't mean she would have actually used them to help Doug and Debbie. Sam has that selfless nature to bring, but he needed Dr. Ruth's skills. Most of the time, he doesn't seem like he wants to get involved until Dr. Ruth takes over, because he's sitting there, like, hiding behind menus, like, oh, I'm going to order the salad. <laughs> no, don't talk about orgasms. <laughs> the cork on the champagne bottle wouldn't pop. Uh -huh. The thrusters uh, weren't thrusting. Debbie. Oh, really? There was no liftoff. Can we change the subject, please? No, please, let her go ahead. I, I think there's a couple in the next room who didn't hear about my thrusters. They're talking about erectile dysfunction. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, 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 like, uh, when, he, when he merges with Dr. Ruth, he inherits her accent, <laughs> which I think is the first time he, he seems to inherit an accent. No, oh, he does with Lee Harvey Oswald. Hands off, Cuba. Castro just wants Cuba to have the same opportunity for self-determination that we did. Hands off, Cuba. Oh, yeah, he does, kind of. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the, but whenever that happens, I always wonder. It's like people hear the accent when he talks normal, but sometimes he gets the accent when he merges with them. Right. <laughs> that's inside baseball. We can hear it then. So <laughs> that's how we know his magnafoozled. What did they call it? It's not simul-leaping. What did they call it when he was uh, with Oswald? <sighs> uh, Psychosynergizing? Psychosynergizing, yes. Yeah. So we all know now that he's psychosynergizing with Dr. Ruth. I, I think it was just an excuse for Scott to have some fun and do the accent, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, and he was probably so bored because Doug and Debbie aren't even good at arguing that he needed to do something to inject some kind of liveliness into the scene. 
it was just the, some of the worst material I think that they've given anybody to do on Quantum Leap. It's just so thankless. And God love her, Anita Barone. I don't know if she is from New York, but Debbie had the worst fake New York accent I have ever heard. I'm just looking up because um, we, we've been talking a little bit about the material that they've been given. So this is a Robin Jill Bernheim script. And yeah. <clears throat> Robin wrote Leaping of the Shrew, which I think we all agreed was a good episode. Deliverers from Evil, which I know po- is quite polarizing and I love it. A Tale of Two Sweeties, which is another dumb comedy that I found fun. And uh, and then this one. So I think definitely I'm a, I'm a Robin Bernheim fan, but... Uh, <laughs> maybe that makes me unique in quantum leap fandom well you know what i think that they were so cognizant of the fact on the show maybe you guys can tell me this because you read some of the scripts but it was very telling to me that at one point sam said maybe i'm not here to save doug and debbie maybe i'm here to save annie who called on the phone and al said something to the effect of either you help doug and debbie or you stay stuck in 1985 so wait a minute, all of a sudden success does have <laughs> an effect on leaping again? <sighs> Question mark? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I never felt any tension in this. Well, okay, I f- there was some tension with the Annie plot. But as far as like the Doug and Debbie plot, like I didn't care either way. I didn't feel like there was any stakes there. And that's why they had to bring back the old convention that if he doesn't succeed, he doesn't leap. Because honestly, what is there to give a shit about? The Annie plot. The Annie plot, yeah. Why do we keep focusing on the Doug and Debbie plot? Yeah, the the Annie plot, I feel like, was a stronger part of the episode. Mm. And I, I still, I found the Doug and Debbie plot fun, unlike you two. <laughs> but I accept that that was whatever may have been said. That was not the reason for him leaping. He was clearly there for Annie. And so if Doug and Debbie didn't float your boat, then yeah, fine. I didn't find myself particularly drawn to it. I just thought it was a, a silly subplot. The, the Annie plot, I have to kind of like forget some parts of it for it to work because okay there's a lot about the annie plot that does not make sense to me <laughs> so um you think? first of all annie is played by robin lively from teen witch <laughs> i very much enjoy her in whatever i see her in <laughs> so why would you call dr ruth about any of this stuff well she's being harassed and stalked by her boss like, in a dangerous way. He tries to kill her multiple times in this episode. He calls Dr. Ruth the sex therapist for no reason that is ever explained why she thinks to call into her. And then she calls her again when she thinks that, like, her boss is outside and going to hurt her instead of the police. I think, like, this episode sends a really bad message. When you're in trouble, call a celebrity. They will help you. <laughs> She's just seen a lot of Midnight Caller, and she knows you call into a radio talk show, you're going to get your life saved. I can think of so many different celebrities that I would trust with my life more than (laughs) calling sex therapist Dr. Ruth. Although she was a trained sniper, so maybe she would be Oh, that must be it. There we go. You've answered your own question. You should have gotten the sniper out and taken him out. The episode would be over very quickly. So wait, now we've had two celebrity leaps and two of them were sharpshooters. Coincidence? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> it's, ooh, is that the burger theory that Tingling. <laughs> Albie sure. came up with? <laughs> could be, could be. I mean, 
What really struck me about the Annie plot, which as serious as it was, it brought the episode to such a dark place and it reminded me of yet another Quantum Leap fan favorite, Man of La Mancha. When I went to see that show, it was all fun and games until it got rapey. And this episode is all fun and games. Oh, and then he's raping her. And it's just like, what? It it felt tonally like jarring. Yeah, it was just like, what, when did this happen? I, sorry, do, do we need do we need a, some kind of particular lead into something being rapey? Jarring is good, surely. Jarring is saying this isn't right. This, I, I I don't. I feel like mm. it, compared to the tone of the rest of the episode, it it didn't work. And I get what you're saying because normally I I like the juxtaposition of comedy and drama, and Quantum Leap can do that really well. They've done other episodes where they've done that really well, but I just think in this episode in particular. Um, it'd be like in the middle of a sitcom throwing in a rape scene. It just it felt like, why did it go to this place? These things separate aren't necessarily bad. I don't think the comedy in Dr. Ruth is, is good, but comedy, you know, that type of comedy can be good on its own. Uh, this scene, the, um, the rape scene or the attempted rape scene the, with her grabbing the knife and all that alone, it's fine. It just... It doesn't fit. And then the way that they resolve it is sort of in a comedy way. And that's also like jarring to me because Sam runs in to everyone else. This is Dr. Ruth, the world's worst stunt double. He's in the mirror stomping on this guy. You are meant to laugh because you were seeing Dr. Ruth stomping on this horrible rapist. So what are we meant to feel here? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Matt, another reason why it it does the episode such a disservice to put that dark of a fate in for Annie until Sam is there to save her. Ziggy, in the beginning of the episode, saying, no, you're not here to help Annie. You're here to help Doug and Debbie. Doug and Debbie's fates are, I think, one, he moves to Buffalo from a production gig in New York, the number one market. This is my journalism coming out here. (laughs) He is never going to give up a job in New York City to move to Buffalo, no matter how pretty that girl is. It's fucking (laughs) Buffalo. And number two, they say Debbie's fate is to um, try something, it fails, and then she winds up writing for a retirement newsletter. So basically what happened is that both of them were fated to have shitty journalism careers unless they stuck together. But let me tell you something, all journalism careers are shitty journalism careers. So that's number one right there. And then Ziggy saying, no, you're not here to help the woman who's in actual mortal peril, but you have to, you have to hitch, hitched onto these assholes. This is not a good look for Ziggy. Yeah, it should have been switched around. Like, Doug and Debbie should have been a B-plot, and then the main plot should have been Annie. As much sense as it didn't make, it was the more interesting and pressing story. And then they're just focusing on, like, side plots with Doug and Debbie orgasm talk? Like, (laughs) I I don't mean to talk over Matt, by the way. (laughs) I realize, like, you like like this episode, (laughs) and it's valid if you do. I, no, it's fine. I appreciate it partly because you you warned us of this during the last recording, but also partly because I kind of figured it would be the case anyway. I knew I was going to be a dissenting voice in this recording. I I do not expect a lot of our listeners out there to be thinking, "Yay, Matt! Doctor Ruth is my favorite episode." <laughs> but for for the one of you that's listening, that's thinking, "Yes, Doctor Ruth is the best episode," this one's for you, man. 
Are you saying this to be a contrarian? Are you being sincere no. that you think Dr. Ruth is a good episode? <laughs> no, I think it's a good episode. I don't I do not think it's one of the best, but it's um I do think it's a really good episode. I mean everything I'm saying. Um I just I also came into this recording knowing that uh neither of you were gonna agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> so you agree that it is an episode most people don't like. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know why. What's wrong? No, all right. There's a few things wrong with it. But I think the the things... And so far, I'm agreeing with you about a lot of its problems. It's just I don't see them as being as big an issue as you do. It's It may just be about um, priorities, emphasis. You know, I, I can overlook some of this stuff because I think generally it's a, it's a fun episode. And um, it, yeah, it deals with some, some good stuff. And I love all the stuff in the future. They're all uh, the stuff with Al and Dr. Ruth. I like so much that, yeah, to Chris's point earlier, does it save the rest of the episode? I don't think the rest of the episode needs saving, but if it did, yes, I think it would. I love all that stuff. I think it's good that Al got more to do. I liked seeing Al have a subplot with the Leapy in the waiting room. Yeah. And it, it was good seeing a subplot that was about him. I mean, he, he gets some great material this, this year, and some of it's not come up yet. Um, but he gets some great waiting room material this year. But this is the only one that's really about him. Well, I think, though, as good as that stuff was, it also pointed out one of the um, misfires of this entire conceit is that you're going to have a celebrity leap. But instead of Sam leaping celebrity adjacent, he leaps into the celebrity. So then you need to have some scenes with the celebrity. So then how do you do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think like, um, I mean, it obviously that is why they did it. Because if you have Dr. Ruth, do scenes with Dr. Ruth. But they did do some stuff with it. I do like that they addressed um some of Al's relationship problems. Mm. There were some parts of it where it felt like Al was a little too not comfortable with the subject, considering how much Al always talks about sex. But um, it, it, when he they were talking about Tina, and he's been with her for four years, which for Al I think is a long relationship, and especially like a long time before he actually like marries someone too, because yes. <laughs> like he just married all of his wives very quickly to get through that many that that quickly. But um, hmm. they address that he's with her. Does he love her as much as Beth? Well, you love people in different ways, and that was nice. Did you love this Beth more? Then you love Tina? Yes. But it was different. So you love Tina. Different than Beth. But you still love her. Yes. Did you hear what you just said? I said I love Tina different. I, s I said it. It retcons, like, you know, we, we've dealt with Al's repeated marriages and, and his attitude towards sex, which I think... I, I don't see an inconsistency here. I think his his attitude towards sex all the way through the show has been fun and relaxed and free, but very separate to love. And mm -hmm. it it feels like in this episode they they retcon a lot of that and explain why that's the case, but they do it in a perfectly plausible way. I I felt like I was going along with that journey of discovery with him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you guys on that. And it was nice to get a little bit deeper into Al's psyche. I think the only thing that detracted from the breakthroughs that we, we saw him have is that we've only ever seen Tina once. 
and we don't know <laughs> we don't know he, what their relationship time, is. Though. He talks about her all the time, but I just feel like if we had known Tina a little bit better as a character and maybe experienced their relationship firsthand, it wouldn't have felt like such an add-on to me. Um, because I was thinking to myself, I know it's Al. I know we're supposed to care because it is Al, and I usually genuinely do care when it's Al. But I found myself asking, do we care if Al loves Tina? Much like, do we care about Doug and Debbie? I, I, I just <laughs> – I care more about uh, Al and Tina than Doug and Debbie. <laughs> Granted. I, I'll give you that. I'm me, me too. I think they um they did Tina better in the books. Yeah. You got a lot more about Tina in the books. Um, Yeah, I think Quantum Leap just fell short when it came to the recurring female characters on the show. I mean, you didn't get a lot from anyone who wasn't Al. You got a bit with Gushy. I think Gushy, you know, had a, a satisfying enough amount of screen time that you get an idea about Gushy. I don't feel like they did Gushy dirty or anything. I, I feel like all the other uh, women, they're so important to them or important to the project. And yet it's really centered on the guys around them and not really them as characters. Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I don't care about the Al and Tina relationship either for exactly that reason, but I care enough about Al's introspection and revelation that he has at the end of the episode. I love the fact that he grows at that moment and the fact that he's going off to say he loves Tina, that, that yeah, like you say, we, we don't know Tina well enough to really be invested in who he's saying that to, but just the fact that he's able to admit that, uh, that was, is a lovely moment of growth. Tina, his 20-something-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have we ever established Al's age in 1999? Gosh, well, I mean, if you if you look at the timeline, he's up there. Right? He's got to be at least in his 50s at this point. Yeah, he's in his 50s, maybe his 60s. It's kind of wonky, Sam and Al's ages. <laughs> That's true. Matt, you wrote you wrote the timeline. What is Al's? What is Al's age? Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to. Um, he was born in 1934. So Jesus, I can't do math in my head. Quick to the calculator. So he would be 65. That makes him 65. Wow, 65. It, <laughs> it yeah. makes th these ages make no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no way Dean was 65 at that point, but no. But, I mean, okay, I think age difference couples, if they are both consenting ages, it's fine. But it is, it is a little bit weird that he's with, like, a 20-something woman. Hmm. Well, maybe she's got daddy issues, too. Maybe that's, like, a prerequisite of working at Quantum Leap. As a woman, you have to have daddy issues. Donna, Tina. Maybe Tina's supposed to be, like, a little bit older, too, though. I mean, like, we, I don't really know what her age is supposed to be. But it seems like to be in this project doing whatever the hell she's supposed yeah. to do in <laughs> in the canon of the show itself, uh, she would probably need to be a little older, a little more experienced. I, you know, when I saw that character on The Leap Back, she didn't strike me as someone in their 20s. She struck me as someone in their mid-30s hitting 40. Um, maybe I'm doing a disservice to the actress. Well, the actress was in her 20s, but... Huh? Oh, she was in her 20s? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was just the makeup or something, but do we have a definitive age on Tina? Matt, to the chronology. Yeah, we we, we do. Because Odyssey's set in 1983, and she's at school then. So... Um, right, she's... Saying. Right, well, that's spoiler for that book. Oh, well. But that's that's yeah, an, author's, in, that's an <laughs> author's interpretation. 
Well, yes. That's true. I guess they never established what her age is. In the end, I guess I, I shouldn't be too judgy about the, the age gap. Oh, be as judgy as you want to be, Alison Pregler. I mean, like, people can be in a good relationship with an age gap. I just think, like, you're in such a different place in your 60s or 50s or whatever Al's supposed to be at. And then in your 20s or 30s or whatever Al, whatever age Tina's supposed to be in. Yeah. Listen, as a guy in his 50s, I work with a lot of um, 20-something girls just in the offices I go to, and every one of them seems like a baby to me, like from a different planet. I have no idea half the time what the hell's going on. So Al's a lot hipper than I am. I give him that. <laughs> but he did say that he loves her, so – and clearly he's been with her for four years, so there's – Yep, there's something there, there's there. There's something there, yeah. I mean, I want to believe the best of Al. And, and she know. hasn't exactly – they haven't exactly been faithful to each other. She's been getting with Gushy. He's been getting with other ladies. So I feel like they both got their own issues in the relationship, <laughs> but they keep coming back. There you go. So they give each other something they need. Now that Al loves her, she's going to be like, oh, crap. You got clingy all of a sudden. I'm going with Gushy. <laughs> Oh, Al, I think we should see other people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to find Tony from Lindenhurst. Hey, Dr. Ruth, it's Tony from Lindenhurst. This is Tony from Lindenhurst. (laughs) Those callers were ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. Uh, Lindenhurst is a town on Long Island that's about 15 or 20 miles west of me on the South Shore. And... um, that guy did sound like Tony from Lindenhurst. I'll give him that. So it was just fun to hear a little Long Island shout out on Quantum Leap. I really dig your show. Can someone explain to me, are Doug and Debbie blind or just that self-absorbed that Sam can speak to Al in a fucking radio studio, literally behind glass like a zoo animal, and nobody notices except for that one scene where he's pacing and talking and he says he's practicing. They're too busy arguing about relationship problems. (laughs) This happens a lot in Quantum Leap. I think you're just finding reasons to dislike this episode. This is not unusual. No, I think that as the show goes on, they just have dispensed with the whole Sam needs to cover (laughs) up talking to his invisible friend because they just didn't care anymore. (laughs) Look, are you going to question Dr. Ruth? She's your boss. She can talk to whoever she wants. I have to ask her about my love muscle. Who else is going to tell me? Of course I'm going to (laughs) question Dr. Ruth. I don't really I think maybe um Annie's boss was was blind though. Like it took him a while to realize she was just hanging out with Dr. Ruth. <laughs> like, <laughs> Annie, what's going on? Hey, hey you're Dr. Ruth, aren't you? <laughs> Never questions why she's hanging out with Dr. Ruth for some reason. <laughs> why not? She's got friends in high places. Yeah. But didn't he see her at the bookstore with the signing too? Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, he did. Right. He was trailing her there, so yeah. maybe. He's just like, she's just buds with Dr. Ruth. Sure. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, in that, that scene uh, that I was talking about where uh, he's like, hey, you're Dr. Ruth, aren't you? This is when, like, Annie is quitting her job. So she's mm-hmm. got her box full of stuff. And then uh, Sam talks to the, the boss alone. His name's Jonathan. I don't think they ever gave him a last name. <laughs> just Jonathan? I think so, yeah. Uh, so So he's talking to him. And he says, like, some inspirational words you've been sexually harassing her on the job <laughs> you're joking aren't you it's not a joking matter mr diana's not going to file a complaint because she's afraid about what might happen to her career but someday someone's not going to roll over that easy and behind him i missed that this was supposed to be a kiss with history i believe until i read your book matt yeah come on anita 
Anita. This is an Anita Hill reference? Yes, it is. Yeah. So Anita Hill was inspired by a man to stand up against sexism <laughs> in the workplace. <laughs> All right, when you put it like that, yeah, okay. I don't know. I guess he does this a lot. No, Anita Hill was inspired by Dr. Ruth, I guess. Yeah. Dr. Ruth. Ins- Dr. Ruth inspired Anita Hill <laughs> to stand up against sexism. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It all just sounds stupid when you say it that way. <laughs> I think we could do a whole separate podcast going through every episode of Quantum Leap and dissecting it from the white savior lens. Uh, the show <laughs> definitely has true. a problem with that white male savior uh, complex. That's the whole premise of the show. Y- if you start picking that apart. Yeah. It- but does it count if the people around him see him as a person of color or see him as a woman? So as far as Anita Hill is concerned, she was inspired by Dr. Ruth, even though it's Sam speaking through her. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, it's definitely a gray area. It's definitely something that could be explored ad nauseum. I would not call it uh, hashtag problematic or anything. Uh, <laughs> I found it more like just like half-assed, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I think most kisses with history are. So piggy suey, come on. I think, Chris, you, you've got to look at it through the lens of how do other people see him? Because, yeah, if if you look at it through the lens of how do we see him and what do we know, then, yeah, the, the whole the whole show falls apart on that, that basis. It is all about a white guy going around saving everyone. So mm. it's kind of if you're going to go there, it's pointless even watching the show. You You have to get over that part in order to enjoy the show at all. I think also what what gives it um, less of a problematic aspect is the fact that Sam is a very empathetic character and he is genuinely helpful. He's not there to proclaim or to say, this is my way and my way is the best. No. He's there to say, how can I best help these people in the situation that they're in Mm -hmm. and approach it from from their point of view, which, which I think is really what makes the show so timeless. Because otherwise it would be just like, I'm sorry, like a lot of misogynistic 60s TV. As much as I love the original series, I mean, Star Trek is hard to get through at times because it's just so misogynistic. And even racist in the sense that if you're on that bridge, and I'm stealing this from Brandon Ushio, who I do um, occasionally guest on other podcasts with, but I I never even realized this until he pointed it out, saying that um, it's great to see people of color and different ethnicities and genders on the bridge, but as long as they all code white, meaning that they're not too outside of the white male norm. And I was like, wow, that blew me away. And uh, a lot of the things that might be problematic get countered by the fact that you have one of the most empathetic characters ever created, played by one of the most likable guys ever to be on the small screen. I mean, a lot of this too, Sam is forced into not that he doesn't want to help people but he's not jamming himself into these people's lives on purpose he just sort of has to do it to get through the leap true and because it's the right thing to do he just happens to be whoever needs to be there at that moment the other thing that i think makes this the anita hill one stand out a little bit for me is that usually either the kisses with history or that the, when the whole episode is a kiss with history sam 
either directly invents something himself, he creates the Heimlich manoeuvre, he invents the moonwalk, whatever, or he tells someone directly, this is what you must do, this is what your your future is, here's some lyrics to a song, whatever. In this case, this is an overheard conversation that inspires someone. So Anita Hill must have had that strength within her, and she just needed a nudge. So yes, it's the stereotypical white guy doing this, but... I feel like Anita Hill walks away from that situation with much more agency than many of the other kisses with history, or, or in, in fact, even even the non the non kisses with the fictional um, people that Sam interacts with throughout his travels. Anita Hill is also like, as far as I know, a good person, and there is like a few people he helped out in these kisses with histories that, that were not really good <laughs> people. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I think that. This Kiss with History, and I think one of the stronger elements of this episode, again, relates to Sam's um, wanting to help and his empathy in the sense that I think there's a point when he's on the radio and he's sort of getting into it and he starts to see it as a platform to save the world. Maybe because I've been so embarrassed, you know, about talking about sex and, and having to do it on the radio and everything that, that I haven't really realized all the good that I could do. I mean, think about yeah. this. People really listen to Dr. Ruth, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so maybe I could do something about teenage pregnancy. Maybe I could slow down the spread of AIDS. Maybe Sam, I could... Just think Sam, about it for a second, Sam, Al. Sam, Al. Al. Wait a second. You're not here to save the world. You're here to help some people. You already changed Annie's life by getting her to quit the job, but now you've got to do something to help Doug and Debbie. But maybe this leap is different. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got lofty goals. And that is just so Sam. That is so Sam. <laughs> yeah, he raises awareness about the downsides of breast implants. He's like, I am going to cover every single base <laughs> that I can as Dr. Ruth. Right. I am Sam Beckett. <laughs> How he's going to talk about breast implants when he can't refer to people's body parts without getting a bit uncomfortable. I don't know. <laughs> it just makes no sense. I can't say penis, but maybe I can say breast. That's okay. Yeah, well, he can say breast. Al can't. <laughs> Until. <laughs> Ah, now the tables have turned. <laughs> yeah, but you see, I mean, obviously Sam is comfortable enough talking about things in a clinical way. It just, they weren't going for a dumb joke in that scene. True. So he was able to be an actual grown-up human being. Yeah, clinical versus sexual. It's a different thing. Your doctor is not, at least if you have a good doctor, is not thinking about sex with you. They're thinking about the clinical mm. terms. That's twice now, Alison, you've referenced good doctors <laughs> well i'm just saying like you know it it happens but not presumably with sam beckett and not with good doctors <laughs> <laughs> or dr ruth presumably or dr ruth well do dr ruth is not a medical doctor as far as i know but i guess she is a doctor doctor of <laughs> sex i don't know what she has the doctorate in <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> she's the renowned sex therapist and sharpshooter yeah Alison, can I ask you something on one of your favourite topics that I'm really surprised you haven't brought up so far? And maybe it's just me. Um, what is Al wearing during the first half of this episode? Oh my that, god, that... I have it in my notes! <laughs> Al's clueless jacket! That <laughs> It's like he's Cher from Clueless. He's got like yes. a, a yellow and black checkered suit jacket with faux leather sleeves. And that jacket is noteworthy because um, I saw it recently in a movie I was watching on Hulu <laughs> called Bad Hair. And I'm like, they're wearing the clueless jacket. 
<laughs> is that a Quantum Leap original? Is that like a, a who's the the costume designer at this point? I know it's not Jean Pierre. It was Jacqueline Santan by this point. Yeah, I believe that's one of hers because I don't think I we've seen it before or since. I think this is the only episode that jacket's in. But she she gets Al's fashions a lot better than that usually. Th- this is a real misfire. I think it's the fit that bothers me. Like it's too bulky and a little boxy. It's more than just the fit that bothers me. The whole thing is wrong. But okay. Yeah. Um. It. It. You know what it is. It looks less like the '80s version of the future than it just looks like 80s, even though it's early 90s. But that jacket looks like something someone in the Dr. Ruth timeline would be wearing. So I think that's why, like, this episode, part of why it feels dated, like, it doesn't have that timeless energy to me. Even, like, you know, I talked about the scoring a bit. Like, I think the saxophone is appropriate to what tone they're doing, of course. And I like saxophone music. It's just, I feel like there was less other scoring to to temper it a bit it just kind of feels like we're in a sitcom where they have the like saxophone of sadness when something (laughs) sad happens and i don't know yeah i mean these are smaller things that are i think just emblematic of the bigger problems of the episode and uh, i guess my final thoughts if you guys don't mind um I want to like this episode. I think it's just fine, to be honest with you. I know that I went on and on in the beginning about how embarrassed I was for it and by it. But at the same time, I don't have any bad memory or association with it. It's just the Dr. Ruth episode. So um, if they're going to go with a celebrity leap, I guess you could do worse. Um, they certainly try to do better as the series winds down. So I, I, it just is to me. I don't know if that's a, a satisfying way for me to end my observations on this, but it just is. It's Dr. Ruth. Next. Next! I, I got I got a couple of goofs that we haven't covered yet that I oh, did sure. want to talk about briefly. Do briefly. the goofs! Do the goofs! Well, I mean, these are my kind of goofs. I mean, they're not the sort of uh, um, bad dubbing sort of goofs, but they're just two things that bother me. At the start, just after Sam's leapt in, Al shows up almost immediately, and he's already been having a conversation with Dr. Ruth, which is completely inconsistent with everything we've seen so far, where Al and Sam's timeline seem to run in sync. But there is definitely an implication that Al has been chatting to Dr. Ruth for some time, and he shows up within a minute of Sam leaping in. Hmm. What's that all about? Oh. The other inconsistency that bothers me, um, Dr. Ruth has to get changed into something in the future that's better fitting. (laughs) This is never a problem for Sam when he leaps into the past. Oh, you know what? I read that differently. I don't think that she was getting changed into something better fitting. I think that she just felt way too exposed in that damn Fermi suit and he got her the jacket. Yeah, I think that was real life bleeding into into the show there. Right. <laughs> like, so he got her the jacket. Is is this better? Or do you feel at least a little bit more modest in this is the way I took that. Oh, yeah. I, I was thinking they were changing the size of the jacket. But yeah, I suppose that could have just been a jacket being added. Okay. All right. I can go with that. That's fine. They gave her a jacket. They reproduced her glasses somehow. And then they uh, they gave her like these like future Crocs. Like she has these Crocs she <laughs> <laughs> on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Leon Styles was all barefoot. Maybe they instituted 
instituted the Future Croc policy, Future Croc <laughs> protocol, we'll call it, after the Leon Styles incident because Sam or the Leap E might be running out of the project at any given moment, apparently, and they can't be walking the streets with no shoes. It could hurt Sam's body. Yeah, too bad it's not his body. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We've learned a lot from these uh, these alleged goofs. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I want to think is if they can synthesize Dr. Ruth's glasses, um, apparently they, I guess they have replicator technology like on Star Trek, and maybe that's why Al is 65 but looks 55. He's got all that futuristic 1999 medical tech. <laughs> He's aged very well for someone who smoked cigars for decades. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually 18 years old. <laughs> um, the other thing, when um, Al appears in the middle of the dessert cart and stands up, yeah. is he crouching down when he, like... I think he just appeared in the floor for some reason, so he could, like, do the elevator through the <laughs> through the cherry's jubilee. Because <laughs> it's funny. Why would he appear inside of a TV to stick his face out of it? Because it's funny. Uh, yeah, I think he's done that once or twice before where he's appeared in a floor and then elevatored up. He did that in Nuclear Family when he's in the bunker. He's like, oh, what? No. <laughs> Slide whistle. And he kind of did it deliberately in um, Permanent Wave. Yeah. With the penny loafers. Dumbest plot twist ever. <laughs> I also liked the bit where... um. Sam's trying to help Annie out at the book signing, and he's like, "Oh, well, don't leave. Let's uh, let's go get some coffee." She's like, "I don't, I don't like coffee." And he's like, "Okay, forget coffee. Root beer float. <laughs> let's have root beer floats together. <laughs> it's so wholesome. <laughs> let's drink a root beer float. Get away from your your stalker psycho boss." <laughs> All right, I, I only had one more thing I wanted to talk about before we can get to my final thoughts. This has the coolest leap out ever. <laughs> Screw you guys. I love the vampire leap out. I liked it until he opens his mouth and there's like, what was that? Was that like a tiger snarl? Like, Where did they get that the sound effect from? It's great. It's That makes me want to watch the next episode. Imagine this, okay? <laughs> Imagine you're Chris. <laughs> and you're you're sitting there and you're like, all right, the worst is over. <laughs> we've gotten through we've gotten through the Dr. Ruth. We've had kind of a nice scene where it's like, yeah, I love Tina. Thanks a lot, Dr. Ruth. Mwah. I'm gonna go talk to Tina. Things are going good. <laughs> Dr. Ruth walks behind the table. And she goes, next <laughs> to the audience, breaks the fourth wall, yes. turns blue, zaps into Christopher Lee, vampire, <laughs> who hisses at the camera as some organ music plays. <laughs> and the embarrassment just flows <laughs> over you as, you as you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in my family room. Laura's still sitting there. I'm like, don't look at me. <laughs> You're like, Laura, please don't judge me. Please. I do a very serious podcast about this show. Please. Imagine being 14-year-old Matt and identifying everything you just said, Alison, and loving every moment of it. And I've never lost that feeling. 
<laughs> this is the best worst leap out in the <laughs> show. I'm glad you liked it, Matt. I, I liked it for different reasons. The breaking the fourth wall, that everything about it is just, I love how they did something so different. Um, yeah. Oh, it's such a disappointment next week, but we'll come to that. Right now, <laughs> the, just the leap itself. Oh, I love they were brave enough to do something that different. It was great. I like that we saw the leap out. This is the only time we ever see the the leap out from the, the leap east perspective. Yeah. And uh, apparently this time it was instantaneous because yes. uh, they've told us that there's there's gaps sometimes. But uh, yeah, I think this, if you could point to any moment um, in the show as the jump the shark moment, I would say Dr. Ruth turning into a vampire <laughs> would be it. <laughs> you know, I never thought of it in those terms, but. God damn it, you're right. <laughs> Is this now our new term for, for jumping the shark, turning into a vampire? Yeah. Look, they've had some supernatural elements on the show. I like when it's like, was it a ghost? Was it a, a mummy that killed him? But this is like a whole new level of like suspension of disbelief for, for this particular world. Like just seeing... This vampire breaking the fourth wall, hissing at the camera. They're not hissing at any- It's literally just breaking the fourth wall. There's no reason to be staring down the barrel of the camera doing that unless you're like, eh? Eh? this do anything for you, audience? <laughs> Instead of jumping the shark, should we call it uh, fanging the Ruth? <laughs> they really fanged the Ruth on that one. <laughs> it ain't shucking the corn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Something I love so much, and and two of my best friends are just laughing at it. I I feel <laughs> hurt, <laughs> uh, damaged. Have we gotten to your least favorite episode yet, Matt? Not quite. <laughs> oh, oh, right. I forgot. All right. Well, I love the next episode. It's so good. <laughs> well, I don't know if we ever got Matt's final thoughts on Doctor Ruth. We're doing the very end of the show right now that we usually do, talking about the leap out. But I, this is great because we had to talk about it. We just have to. So, but yeah. I don't want to, you, you know, cut off um, any of the salient points that you're going to make about Doctor Ruth. That's going to turn us around on it, man. Go. <laughs> I'm not going to try and turn you guys around. I, I, I hear everything you say. You're wrong about all of it, but I hear it, and I'm, I'm going to respect that. It's a fun episode. <laughs> If you're going to do celebrity leaps at all, I think this was, yeah, it, it was a surprising choice. But I kind of prefer that to really obvious choices. In some ways, I prefer the choice of Dr. Root to the choice of Elvis, Marilyn, whatever. And I see very little that's heavily wrong with this episode. Some some mildly problematic bits, but it's doesn't stop it from being fun, and I really do love that stuff in the future. Some real highlights for, for Dean. All right, I think, Alison, you pretty much said everything you wanted to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's my final <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> uh, succinct as ever, Alison. Succinct as ever. <laughs> so, all right. With that, I think uh, we will... Uh, close the book on dr ruth and we're going to go to a break and when we come back we have some patreon news and some feedback stay tuned theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime 
Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. And when he does vanish, we're going to be there to see it. I'm Aaron Moss. And I'm Michelle Moss. I've seen an episode or two of the show, but this is my first time watching it through, which makes me like Sam. And I've seen every episode multiple times. So yes, that makes me uh, Ziggy. Join us monthly as we watch Quantum Leap episode by episode and then discuss it. On the Star Bright Project. Available on its own feed. Or under the Headcast Network. Come um, take, take the, the leap with us. On the latest episode of Leaps Elsewhere. Today we are so, so excited to be finally talking about the pilot episode of Gung Ho. This was uh, his second uh, project ever, wasn't it? In his first TV show, Scott Bakula? I think so. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's not good. <laughs> oh my god. Every emotion that you can name. Fear and loathing, <laughs> humor and horror. You know it's always going to be a good show when it, it ran for less than half a season. They can't even get any cars there. It's just a bunch of cardboard cars in the background on the line. To find out how to hear this and other Patreon-exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. That's patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. Changes right before your eyes. This is Shari Headley, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Hey everyone, we're back, and guys, I think we're on a roll here because for the second month in a row, I have an announcement to make vis-a-vis Patreon. We have a new patron on Patreon. His name is Ben H. Everybody give a big hand, Ben H. Yay! Yay! Thank you so much, Ben H., for deciding to support our show. It means the world to us. Uh, Ben joined at the $5 Leaper level which means that he is now privy to all of the exclusive content that we do over on the Patreon feed that includes shows like Leaps Elsewhere and Fangent. So uh, if you want to be like Ben H and get uh, access to all of this extra material, you can do so at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast everybody who's a patron thank you so much it helps pay for our server costs it helps defray costs associated with the podcast i don't know if we ever announced this on on air but matt was having some troubles with his old microphone and because of our patrons we were able just to get him a new mic yeah. we were just able to order it and here we are thank you yeah it's that kind of support that helps keep the show going helps us put out a professional product and helps us entertain you we hope anyway so Thank you to all of you who have um, supported the show in that way. Doesn't mean that's the only way you can support the show. You can also tell all of your friends, all of the Quantum Leap fans you know about the Quantum Leap podcast. Tell them how great you think Matt, Allison, and I are. Well, maybe Matt and Allison. I know that you just tolerate me. But (laughs) word of mouth is really the way that podcasts grow. Not advertising, not by luck. It's just people liking it and telling other people about it. So if you haven't told a leaper about the Quantum Leap podcast, what are you waiting for? Please do. We have some feedback. It came to our Gmail account, and it kind of touches upon something that we discussed in the last episode regarding Scott and NCIS and the cancellation of NCIS New Orleans. Uh, This is from 
Joan Belaski, and I'll take the first couple of paragraphs. Um, she writes, Dear QL Podcast, I'm a loyal listener to your podcast. I was wondering, now that Scott Bakula is free, how can listeners and fans petition the network to bring the show back soon? And I'm thinking that she means Quantum Leap, not NCIS. <laughs> I believe time is of the essence here, as Scott will most likely look for another acting job after May when NCIS New Orleans is over. Is writing sufficient, or could we do something wackier and send the network? Guys, she gave us some examples of what we might send the network. Why don't you take over? Like Round Robin. Go for it, Matt. Uh, season 35 episode lists, as if it went back in time and the show was never cancelled. Uh, hand links, available online, bit expensive. T-shirts that say, where is Sam? Tons of inexpensive Dollar Tree mirrors, as Sam looks in the mirror. Tons of small clocks, maybe at Dollar Tree? <laughs> I like the way you think, Joan. <laughs> Dollar Tree is my favorite store, too. But uh, <laughs> she goes on to wrap up by saying... Um, I have read that this type of thing has been done in the past to bring back shows. Can you please address this on your show? Thank you, Joan Belaski. And Joan, I think these are crazy little wacky things that you're thinking of sending <laughs> the network. I know that like when Farscape was getting canceled, they sent them all boxes of crackers because I think the most popular episode of Farscape was called Crackers Don't Matter. And oh, they wow. want to say that crackers do matter. So they sent them like boxes of crackers. So I think this is in keeping with, cool. with stunts like that. <laughs> Hmm. I like that she went full Fraser verse and was like, season 35 episode yeah. lists. It just <laughs> never was canceled. It just goes on and on and on. <laughs> I wanted to read this because I think that the way that Quantum Leap has been in limbo for like the last 20 years is that basically Don and the network are at odds on how to carry on the show. Hmm. He wants to do it one way. They want to do it another way. And never the twain shall meet. Is Deborah Pratt also involved with this? Does she have some rights to it as well? I'm not sure about that. Everything that I've heard has been very Don-centric. So, And okay. I've heard it mm. out of Don's mouth at the Leap Back convention in 09. So okay. this is what I'm going on, stuff that I heard in 2009. So that shows you how dated it is. But I can't imagine that the right situation has changed. He never said anything about Deborah having any kind of say in it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that she doesn't. It just means that he didn't mention it. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I would say that while it's admirable that you want to bombard the network, Joan, the pessimist in me and the realist in me would say don't bother because unless Belisario and NBC come to some kind of arrangement and, and meet some kind of middle ground, it's not going to happen no matter what the fans want until – that was the old Chris saying that – until – NBC decided to launch its own streaming service called Peacock. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they are beating the bushes for IPs that they already own that they can yeah. reboot to bring in any kind of new subscriber. Look what happened with Star Trek and CBS All Access. Now there's like 19 Star Trek shows and more to come. I have years of Star Trek to look forward to. And Peacock themselves brought back Saved by the Bell. How happy am I about that? They, they did it so well. Another announcement on, uh, I think it was for CBS All Access. Yeah, because it's Paramount, Paramount Plus now. Paramount owns Frasier, and I'm a huge Frasier fan. They're talking about doing a Frasier uh, reboot. Not a reboot, but a continuation. Uh, you know that the Frasierverse lives, the Quantum Leapiverse <laughs> can come into existence. I'm confused what you mean by the Frasierverse, I have to admit. <laughs> There was someone who wrote, um, 
just a fan who had a web page where they would write out seasons of uh, like plot descriptions for seasons of Frasier just as if it was never canceled. And then they made spinoffs based on that and then other spinoffs of spinoffs. And then it just became this whole giant entwined. Wow. Like they were into like retirement <laughs> homes. And like, I don't think they ever actually wrote these stories. It was just for fun. They decided they were going to write this entire universe of Frasier stuff. And it was just amazing. Wow. Brilliant idea. I'm a diehard Frasier fan. I have to go check that out. That sounds amazing. Yeah, if you can find it, uh, it's it's a good read. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It's funny because I even thought of uh, a new premise for a continuation of Frasier that um, I think I did it on one of Sean's shows. Uh, maybe it was Cosmic Potato, but uh, which is now called that Super Fan Talk podcast. Changing names over there. Anyway, um, shout out, Sean. Um, I would have at once told Joan, you're crazy. Forget about it. But at this point, I mean, it's the Wild West again, and they're just looking for fans to come and, you know, get eyes on their screens. So if there was ever going to be a time when we had a realistic shot of a reboot or a reimagining or a continuation of Quantum Leap, now is that time. It just depends on the network's willingness to do so, and maybe hearing from fans will push them in that direction. Honestly, I don't know where you would go from here with something like that. Who do you write? I don't know. How, how do you do it? I don't know. It feels like mail-in campaigns have stopped being a thing, but like online petitions and just word of mouth on social media mm. has been like a, a pretty powerful voice in bringing some shows back or bringing them to like Netflix or other streaming things. I feel like they're more of a possibility now, especially because... American shows have started doing smaller, better crafted seasons. So instead of like 22 episodes trying to make that many in that little time uh, with that much budget, uh, you might get like a 10 episode mini event kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think like it's more of a possibility. I don't know exactly what I would want yeah. from a Quantum Leap reboot, to be honest. I, I don't think I would want to see Sam leaping no. anymore i think i would like to see him either as the observer or or just a clean slate with the show and scott has said this himself multiple times um i'll never be in it dean will never be in it we're too old and this mm. is before dean's health problems uh, so i mean dean is off the table completely now that we know i can see sam coming in as a cameo now and again mm. just to have scott be there and sort of still be present in the universe, but it being focused on somebody else, another leaper. I know that we've gone over the Sammy Joe thing ad nauseum, but it makes sense if they were going to do it that Sammy Joe could be the leaper. I really don't know. Or they could just decide to redo the entire thing. Uh, but yeah. either way, uh, it is a property that they own and money can be made potentially. So that's really what it's all about. I think what you have to do, like Allison said, just try to build up that online presence and get the word of mouth going. And I'm really bad at social media, so I'm not the guy <laughs> to talk to. <laughs> you need a you need a catchy hashtag and a rabid fan base. <laughs> I guess, but if a if a Firefly movie could be made, I think a, a new season of Quantum Leap is entirely within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I think it will happen. It's just a question of when and in what form. 
Yeah, and if you listening out there, all of our listeners are pretty astute, and you guys are really big Quantum Leap fans. I mean, if you have any ideas, send them our way. Maybe uh, call the phone line, and maybe we'll we'll highlight some of them, or just go on to our Facebook page and uh, start a thread, start a conversation about it, and hopefully someone can shepherd that again. I'm bad at social media. I rarely look at the Facebook page because of the, but um, I think that. Uh, <laughs> A lot of good stuff can happen there if people are organized and they really want to do it. And there are other Quantum Leap fan groups out there that are sure, I'm sure are talking about this. So, yeah, off to the Twitters with you guys and um, <laughs> see what you can do. I wish Scott Bakula a stable job. No, mm. no matter what, I just want—I want him to be okay. Yeah, Scott's just fine. Looking out for for Scotty backs, you know. <laughs> Scott has led his own series and had a successful acting career for the past forty years. I think yeah. he's doing just fine. No, I'm just <laughs> saying he's losing his job at NCIS. Actors don't have stable jobs. I just want him to like have another job, whether it's Quantum Leap or something else. Wishing him well. I just, everyone, look, <laughs> you can feed a Scott Bakula for a day <laughs> for, for just like t 10 cents a day. You can feed him. So <laughs> petition NBC, please give Scott Bakula a job. <laughs> that poor man. <laughs> so you can send NBC a boxes of dimes that you collect in your neighborhood. Just give this right to Scott. Yeah, Here. collect the recycling <laughs> and then sell the recycling. Do right by Dean and then support. You know what? Support them both. I'm sure. I'm sure Dean Stockwell could use some support too. S send it out into the universe. So now that we've gotten away from doing a new Quantum Leap show into actually ensuring that Scott has a comfortable retirement, I guess the sky's <laughs> the limit. We could have like a a telethon, the Scott Baculathon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Scott Bakula needs a jobathon. Let's do it. <laughs> do I sound like I'm making fun of them? I'm really not trying to. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. I don't know. I'm sorry. No, I just mean like acting jobs are not stable. Matt has an in at Big Finish Audio. He knows like the head honcho over there. So maybe he gets got some voice work. Yeah. Maybe they could do like a whole Quantum Leap uh, audio series. Cats Don't Dance too. <laughs> I know the, the ex-head honcho there. I don't know the current head honcho. I follow him on Facebook, but that's different. He's got the connections. To be fair, though, the yeah, the, the Big Finish uh, Facebook page does periodically run these. Um, I think just when it's a quiet news day, they'll they'll put out these statuses saying, "Hey, so which properties would would you be interested in?" And there's always a bunch of people replying saying Quantum Leap, so they they know there's a there's a market out there for it. Well, there you have it. So we've solved Scott's problems. <laughs> Get him across to Big Finish. I, I feel like a big ass now. I just want to clarify <laughs> that Scott Bakula is very employable. <laughs> sure, it's a good thing you said it. Now the universe is going to stop descending on him because it was just ready to collapse. I, I feel like I sounded like a big ass. I was just trying to be a smart ass. I wasn't trying to make fun of him or Dean Stockwell, but now I sound like a jerk. The problem is, Alison's right, and there's going to be a tug of war now between the Quantum Leap fans wanting a Quantum Leap reboot, the Star Trek fans wanting to get him involved as Captain Archer again, and the Gung Ho fans wanting a season two of Gung Ho. <laughs> that's, the, that's the real problem here. 
There's gonna be changes, changes in your podcast. I want Gung Ho the Next Generation. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> oh I'm my sorry, everyone. God. That's, that's where I'm planting my Scott Bakula flag. Um, have your Quantum Leap reboot with someone else. Scott is coming back to Gung Ho. I'll respect Joan, but that's where I'm putting all my energy into. <laughs> Hashtag bring back Gung Ho. <laughs> Trend it. Sorry, Joan. They call it Gung Ho now. Yes. I was gonna say like bring back Tequila and Benetti, but I forgot it did in fact have a reboot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I had to stake my claim. I want to see more Archer, but that's me. Yeah, I just want to see more Scott Bakula on my screen. Don't we all? Don't we all? Mm-hmm. Faux show. Well, if you out there listening have any suggestions for Joan to help her get this reboot off the ground or continuation. I think most fans want a continuation, so let's not use the reboot word. It might upset some people. If you out there want the continuation to happen and have some suggestions, there are many ways that you can make your voice heard here on the Quantum Leap podcast. You can reach us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can also hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Quantum Leap Pod. And you can always go that extra mile like Ben H and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. Just remember that we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And I'm going to change it up at Matt's request. Speaking of upcoming episodes, Allison, why don't you tell us what's next? Well, up next, we got Blood Moon, isn't it, Governor? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you. You know, if it wasn't written that way, I'd probably go with the blood, the blood moon. <laughs> <laughs> the Count of Dracula, blood moon. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> One. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> One star. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Been watching a lot of Muppets recently, I'm sorry. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, this is the first time I think that I've had to use the actual opening from the next episode as our leap out, since the leap out here is just that weird, dumb snarl. <laughs> Not dumb. Not weird. That awesome, cool snarl. Oh, I can't wait for the next episode. It's going to be such a good one. Oh, I'm counting down the days. It's such a mystery. Oh, man. Jeez. Is it really a vampire? Who knows? <laughs> Oh, we are in full throttle season five. Everybody strap in. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering, I mean, we still have yet to see what Matt's favorite and least favorite episodes are. So I'm hoping we get some kind of revelation next show. I don't know. Maybe? Coming up soon. I'm looking forward to finding out. I hope we do. Until then, I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Alison Pregla. <laughs> I've been Matt Dale. 
<laughs> and we'll see you next time with Blood Moon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden and Charles Allen Gossard are the producers. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit BarrenSpace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baron Space production. Should we talk about sex? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a song? Let's talk about sex, baby. Da, 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 da. Um, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, baby. Isn't that her? Is that Salt and Pepper? <laughs> what? What are you on about? Let's talk about sex. I don't know who sings it. I always think that Salt and Pepper sings it, but isn't that Queen Latifah? I'm going to look it up right now. I, I'm going to bet it's neither of them. I know hip-hop like I know country, so... that's Yeah, that's Salt and Pepper. You, you were right. Salt and Pepper. Salt and Pepper, all right. But who was in Salt and Pepper? Queen Latifah, right? No. No. Oh. <laughs> salt and Pepper were in was... Salt and Pepper. There was no Lisa Left Eye Lopez? No. No, that's TLC. <laughs> you think you're TLC. Uh, TLC. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cheryl James and Sandra Denton. And what was Queen Latifah in? If not salt and pepper. I think she's just Queen Latifah. Come on. Isn't that enough? Maybe I heard a Queen Latifah song featuring salt and pepper. Kind of like Pitbull featuring Droid. I'm going to look up Queen Latifah band, but I think it was just her. Okay, she was an original member of Flavor Unit. I've never heard of Flavor Unit, but that's what she was in. (laughs) (laughs) That's an eerily appropriate name for the Dr. Ruth show. If they could have worked in that joke, flavor unit. Flavor unit. I'm thinking you guys don't want to talk about Dr. Ruth. We seem to be finding any excuse right Let's now. Let's do it. Let's talk about Dr. Ruth. Matt, I'm so sorry. I, I feel like I was railroading you a bunch. No, no, no. It's fine. That was really fun. Um, can I just say, Chris, you usually ask me to do the next episode, but I've just seen your um the, the way you've put the next episode down on the, the document, and I really think you should get Alison to do it. <laughs> Because <laughs> she does that accent better than me. <laughs> I just, I, for whatever reason, when I think Blood Moon, I think bad British accents. So. Yeah, Why fine. would you think that? <laughs> don't ask me. I don't know. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> All right. No, don't talk about orgasms. <laughs> 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 <laughs>